Welcome to the World Architecture Festival podcast. This series features recordings from the Life Festival and WAF's virtual events. Hear from architects and commentators discussing the latest innovations and challenges within the industry. Subscribe to always receive the latest episodes and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at WorldArcFest. Moving to our first international question time as part of uh, WAF Virtual. And I'm delighted to introduce three panel panelists who are going to join Jeremy and myself here in the studio. Um, and they are uh, Ken Tadashi Ushima, a professor at the Department of Architecture, University of Washington. Uh, Francis Anderton, a host and producer at DNA uh, Design and Architecture radio program uh, in Los Angeles, and Monica von Schmalense, a senior partner and architect at White Architecture, who are international architects. I'm not sure which city you're coming to us from, uh, Monica. Where, where are you today? Today I'm in Stockholm. In Stockholm. Well, thank you very much for joining us. Um, I'm going to uh, ask with a, a, a general question uh, to which I'd love each of you to uh, respond. I think inevitably a lot of questions today are going to be around uh, the pandemic, but they don't have to be exclusively about that. I'm sure there are some other things we can talk about. Um, but to get what's obviously on everybody's mind out of the way to begin with, um, I wonder if we can get some thoughts uh, from each of you on the uh, effects of the uh, pandemic uh, on your city uh, and uh, your institution or, or your main sort of activity. Um, let, let's start. Francis Anderton, uh, t tell us uh, how are things in LA? How are things, how are things with the radio station? Ah, oh, well, well, first of all, hello, Paul. How lovely to join you uh, across the, the airwaves. Um, it's, it's really a thrill, uh, a bit tiring. It's very early here in LA. So, um, well, let's see what's going on. In some, ways, in some ways, what's going on in LA is probably similar to a lot of cities. Obviously, the lockdown has had so many more people staying at home and working at home and re-evaluating what their home should be like, what their workplace should be like. KCRW itself has um, went from 150 people being at, at a physical place to 10 people being at a physical place. And, um, you know, so many of us on staff who who were used to having the highest quality of audio production and going into very nice studios every day to get really good broadcast, broadcast quality, we've all very quickly found ourselves pivoting to using the te online technologies to do recordings, which has been quite an education. It's been an education for all, the, for all those of us that weren't very technologically proficient, as well as it's been an education for, I think, millions of us in sort of retraining our ears and eyes to accept actually a different kind of level of audio quality. And I think that will actually have some long-term repercussions on broadcasting. We've also seen it in American news. Um, I, I'm not sure how it's been in British news, but in American news, we, we've all been taken into the living rooms uh, and dining rooms and oddball rooms of TV personalities, you know, and, and that's been a remarkable experience, actually, in as much as broadcast media here, uh, new, certainly news production was 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 
put up a wall between the viewer and the presenter, a wall of makeup, of hair and makeup, a wall of lighting, a wall of studios. And it's been completely fascinating, I think, to be taken into the um, into the homes of of our pundits and personalities. So there's been odd, odd, um, um, un you know, unexpected, almost sort of delights of, of uh, and delight is the wrong word to use in connection with this pandemic. Please don't get me wrong here, but there have been some unexpected dimensions to this experience, physically. And I should stop talking and hand off. But physically, in some ways, LA is very naturally suited, actually, to a pandemic. It, you know, this was a place that developed um, mightily in the late 19th century and early 20th century when a lot of people came here to get away from TV. And um, this is the place that birthed the Lovell Health House. You know, this is a place that actually already has a form of development that enabled people to, to, to live in somewhat... Um, in somewhat uh, sort of isolated ways, you know, the single family home and, and a yard and plenty of air. And so so for many people, they've the, the pandemic has permitted or the the physical the physical layout of Los Angeles has permitted people to actually live the kind of somewhat open air, out, indoor, outdoor lifestyle that this pandemic sort of requires. Um, there's all sorts of other ramifications in terms of businesses shutting down and all of that. But I feel like I've talked talked enough now. We can go back to that in a minute and I can definitely add to that. But um, but that's the start. Yes, surely. How it is and, here. Yes. And thank you. Thank you for getting up at an unearthly hour to be with us. Um, Monica, mm. can I turn to you? Um, we've 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 watched with interest what has happened um, in Sweden in relation to the pandemic. Um, the, the sort of no lockdown uh, strategy. Uh, how's it all looking to you? Thank you, Paul. And uh, hello, Paul. It's so nice to, to be with you again and talk about all these questions. And I would love to give you some examples from Sweden. And as you just said, and know, we have had a different strategy here in, in Sweden than elsewhere. But now we have more similar strategy, I would say. Now we are not allowed to be more than eight people in a room at the same time. And uh, a lot of the schools are closed down because of the pandemic and the second wave, actually. But the big discussion going on right now is whether we should wear a mask or not. So most people here don't wear masks uh, unless you feel frightened and so so there's no from the authority that say that you need to, to wear a mask for instance so i think the the the, the life has been uh, quite hard for us as well of course with a lot of unemployment which is a result of the pandemic and also the gap between the rich and poor i would say this is something we can come back to maybe during our discussion and the outdoor living uh, is sort of the new black I think even so, we have in Sweden, of course, a lot of outdoor space that we can spend our times in uh, and go to our uh, cottage and, and so and so. But people really live a lot of their lives now uh, outside uh, their homes, which I think also is interesting when we talk about the public realm and how that should be uh, uh, quality of, of the public realm, really. So this is uh, a way of uh, the way we live now, but we could also see, I mean, here in Stockholm, the CBD area is almost empty. There's no one in the office buildings. They're all, black, I mean, shut down. 
And uh, the big discussion, ongoing discussion now is like everybody else, is about what will happen with the future office places. What will they be and how can they be transformed into something different than rather be offices? So that's a big debate about that. And uh, another trend we can see is very uh, much that people, since they stay in their neighborhoods, there will be a sort of a revenge for the suburbs, but even from the small towns. So people now move to smaller towns outside the big, uh, the capital of Stockholm and the big regions where they can find uh, cheaper homes and better life quality. And since we now are used to really work remote, people can stay at home and they could, I mean, commute uh, rather than to, to be close to, to the city. So that's the new trends here. And, and if, I can, if I may, can I ask you, um, are any of your own staff still going into the office or is everybody working from home? Right now, uh, everybody's working from home. You are allowed to, to go into the office, of course, but, uh, and people really want to, to go to the office and meet, of course, because the, still the, the physical meeting is needed in our process as, as working as architect. But uh, right now, people are working from home again, yes. Thank you. Uh, Ken Ushima, uh, how are things for you? Um, so in any case, I was just saying that I'm positioned um, really between um, Francis and Monica in terms of being uh, on the same coast um, as Francis, uh, a little bit darker than uh, Los Angeles, but um, we have um, a very significant um, Scandinavian and Swedish um, immigrant population here. And so culturally we connect um, as well as with um, Japan um, so it is that kind of international meeting point, and yet so much has been shut down since the pandemic. Obviously, um, we were somewhat ground zero in um, the United States with uh, the first death um, of COVID-19 and uh, how also a lot of the research um, has been conducted by um, the University of Washington Center for Population Health, funded by the Gates Foundation. And so um, all of this is very central uh, teaching. I um, went online very early um, in March, one of the first universities in the United States. And so this has become the new normal. Um, but I started teaching just as I was also going back and forth between um, Japan and uh seattle and so it's been very um interesting to see the differences between here um in the united states and japan um japan also as you all know um was hit early with the pandemic the cruise ship and um other cases but uh um as you saw i think um earlier in waf this time uh the tezuka's um, we're talking about how things are relatively normal uh, and how um, the, their culture of wearing masks and so forth has um, led to being um, able to continue somewhat um, in a normal way, unlike um, the United States and here um, where everything is distanced, um, teaching online, uh, and um, how that has absolutely transformed the city with um, 
less traffic. Um, the downtown um, business district um, has become a ghost town, especially the new um, areas that Amazon has populated, um, uh, closing and um, shuttering restaurants and uh, many other businesses. Um, but um, the other aspect here in terms of inequities, um, Seattle's become very famous for what was known as CHOP, the um, uh, area that was not policed and um, highly political. Um, but the, the whole area of, um, or the impact of Black Lives Matter um, has been felt um, very strongly in terms of uh, a very strong social activism, but um, how to really reconcile that in terms of the um, public realm. But um, so, I mean, there are many points to discuss um, at length, but um, I, I do feel at this point, I'm kind of in the middle of all of this. Um, and um, I just would say, uh, in teaching, uh, early on, I was on a um, review for the Harvard Graduate School of Design with um, So Fujimoto in um, his office in Tokyo. Um, I know um, So has been a very active WAF um, speaker and um, participant, but um, uh, the new normal in these kinds of reviews are people around the world. And um, like our discussion today, um, some people are uh, presenting in the middle of the night and some people are bright and um, awake uh, midday and um, others are ready for um, uh, a drink. Um, and so uh, one of the other aspects I found is um, you know, just we, we can all connect virtually, but um, our minds um, space um, sometimes is quite different. And um, so <laughs> prevent, uh, those are some of the challenges, I think, in really um, connecting internationally as opposed to when we were all meeting in Singapore or Barcelona um, in the same space. Thank you very much, Ken. And I couldn't agree more. There, there, there's something about face-to-face -face contact which is very different. Um, Jeremy, give us a quick perspective on how so you see things at, at London. Well, some of this is generic and has been alluded to by both Ken and Monica, for the hollowing out of the, of the city centre, which was particularly marked in the first lockdown between March and uh, July. And on the rare occasions when I had to come into central London at that time, and they were rare, uh, the thing that came to mind was uh, the prophet Jeremiah's great lamentation for the depopulation of Jerusalem, Quomodo Sede Civitas, Plena Popula, which is basically why does the city sit so solitary that was once so full of people? And that was a, a haunting um, uh, sort of thought, really, about what was happening in London. And of course, the knock on effects in terms of the closure of businesses, the um, uh, death of, of uh, public institutions, uh, the hollowing out of cultural institutions. All those little things, which individually are small, but collectively have amounted to what has made London quite an attractive place mm -hmm. to live, um, mm -hmm. over the, you know, which has emerged over the last 30 or 40 years, are under jeopardy. And it's very difficult to see how and how, how they can be revived and whether they will be revived. 
Um, you know, government support is only a substitute for, 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 for genuine um, economic success, economic or, or social success. And I think this is going to be uh, a, a long haul back um, for cities like London and quite possibly uh, Stockholm and uh, Seattle as well. Uh, <clears throat> but I think more specifically in London, what we've seen, because London, of course, is the capital city. It's where decisions are taken, certainly about England and to some extent about the, the, the entire United Kingdom. What we're seeing is um, a uh, reversion to type of different sorts of influential person and influential group. So uh, the medical profession has got an opportunity here to do what it wants to do, basically, for the last 150 years, which is to take unaccountable control of people's lives. You know, telling people, you know, it's always <laughs> wanted to tell people what to eat, how much exercise they should have, um, you know, what they should weigh, when they should go to the lavatory, all that sort of thing. And now, of course, they're able to do it. Politicians are trying to say we are in control, but they're not because they're running scared of, 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 of public opinion uh, and of being shown to be wrong. So I think we've got a really uh, very difficult mix of different sorts of competing power that is both democratic and non-democratic, that is both in Boris Johnson's much used phrase based on science and not based on science. Uh, and I think it's, again, we're going to have to work very hard to put that sort of exercise of power back into the right sort of uh, relationships. If I can add to that, we're, we're broadcasting from, actually from our offices in, in Shoreditch in East London. And Jeremy and I are, are, are in what is uh, the boardroom, really, uh, converted into a studio. Um, we have an image behind us of the last building of the year winner from WAF, which is the, the local library project in Tilburg in the Netherlands. Um, we're socially distanced, of, of course. <laughs> Very few people have come into our office, um, but because as a media company and an events company, um, we've had to go on a very, very sharp learning curve about firstly, um, how we can continue to produce some magazines, um, which are still coming out, including the Architects Journal and the Architecture Review. Uh, but more important these days, what do you do with awards? What do you do with events? What do you do with conferences uh, when nobody can meet uh, en masse? And the answer, of course, as we're doing today, is we have to go digital. And we've had some success so far in managing to stage some quite significant events. I mean, WAF, WAF Virtual has got more than 6,000 people registered. So in that sense, is more international uh, than a live event would or, or could be. Um, but it's been a fascinating experience. And it, it leads me on to, to a sort of second question, partly touched on already, but I'll, I'll come back to you first on this one, Monica, which is uh, the implications for future working especially of uh, architects and designers. Do you ever anticipate most of the staff being under one roof and in one place uh, ever again? Or is the assumption now that we're all going to live hybrid or blended um, living and working lives? Or maybe flexible. <laughs> I think that was the also, also the word of this day. 
uh, today when I listen to to what people have been saying. I think that we need to to meet, of course, again. But it would it will be different, I suppose, because people maybe have a choice in the future, a choice to sit at home at least for a few days uh, every week and then go into the office. So the meeting place will be even more important, I think, and to be close to each other. And for special occasions, such as when you're working with uh, competitions and, you know, that kind of work, it's really good to be in the same room. So different work could work differently. So I suppose... Uh, people can work in, in, in another way. And uh, some companies here has also already released sort of a, uh, an opportunity for the staff to choose themselves, which is going to be very hard for the leadership in, in those companies. So for architects, I believe that maybe we are working more uh, outside the office, uh, doing uh, projects with other people, of course. But uh, there's also a sort of um, that... I can see a trend that it's more about we, uh, we, we, rather than me, me, me. So we need to be together. I think that's also something for the future, but maybe uh, differently that we have been doing so far. And uh, Francis, is this going to mark a sort of profound change in freeway culture? Are we going to see the end of the you know, the nine to five and the commuting and, and the car jams? Or do you think that in the end, Los Angelinos are so wedded to, to, to that form of, of transport that whatever happens, um, the roads will be full? Gosh, well, that's an interesting one, because on the one hand, what's happened during the pandemic is that, in fact, people have been able to use the freeways as they once did when they were first built, which is they can drive along them quite fast. And in fact, we've seen a surge in pretty devastating car accidents as people have gone out driving far faster than the sort of eight miles an hour that they had been reduced to in the last you know, 15 to 20 years. Um, so, um, so let's see that. So that has that has been a very real phenom is people enjoying the freeways in a way they hadn't for a while. But the traffic is already get, building back up. Um, you sometimes wonder where people are going, because certainly a lot of people are still working at home. Um, what has happened is that LA right now, as I'm sure you know, is in the midst of a huge mass transit construction program. The voters have voted for big expenditure on mass transit. Various rail lines, subways, uh, light rail is going in. Um, on the what, some paradoxical things have happened. On the one hand, desire to actually use those forms of transit have contracted during this time, it's been terrible for budgets. On the other hand, the, the people in charge of the construction are able to actually build faster because, the, um, because of the absence of, of, of people and activity on the streets. So the mass transit system forges ahead. Um, there's definitely worry about persuading people to use the system. Um, I, I, I would say that in response to all of this, you know, that it might be worth reflecting back perhaps on the, you know, the Spanish flu. I mean, my sense was the Spanish flu sort of altered behavior for a while and had everybody, you know, obviously very anxious and it was a terrible time. And then we, then you got the roaring 20s, you know, and everything came roaring back. And our first world war, obviously, very big, big um, 
flu plus the war was obviously huge now so i i would say i'm not i'm not fully convinced that that things will ultimately really change in some ways i wish some some things would i actually think it's good that we're not flying everywhere the entire time and that there has been a contraction of carbon emissions i personally think that's quite good but but i'm not sure that people's behavior is going to change for for the long run in terms of la la's um, t- um as a lifestyle it most definitely is where a lot of people want to be right now there are people who are leaving um, tighter denser places in in the us and and coming to la or trying to get into la and so um so so anyway, back to your original question, which is, are people going to get back on the freeways and do the commuting? They're definitely going to get back on the freeways, whether it'll be the nine to five. That is the thing that is is probably going to be changed more. It was already changing. There, already the freeways were impossible. And so pe- more and more people were asking to be able to work at home to avoid that commute. And there was already a push towards maybe coming in two days a week rather than five. So what the pandemic has done is shown that is possible. So um, so so I, I predict some kind of hybrid moving forward. Thank you very much. Uh, Ken, perhaps I can take that question on a bit with you, which is whether you see and your colleagues see an acceleration of trends that were already happening, maybe even some that, m- trends that might be stopped in their tracks. Um, for example, m- mass super cheap uh, aviation. Very interesting, certain trends. Um, well, uh, we will see how um, mass super cheap aviation works i mean we are also in seattle um home to boeing and uh um obviously uh boeing has um, been devastated not only with the pandemic but also um the uh max uh 737 max that um, has been grounded for the last two years and so um we really see the effects of that um we're also the home to amazon so um, those trends have been absolutely um, accelerated by online shopping and um, further contributing to the demise of the um, uh, local um, commercial um, vibrancy. But um, I, it's interesting in terms of these trends, um, in hearing about what's happening in Los Angeles, um, we are certainly connected on the West Coast um, uh, with the uh, traffic dying down. We've had some of the most beautiful um, skies, I think, in recent memory. I was looking at Los Angeles of how clear the um, sky was in um, uh, March during the kind of, um, in April during the um, uh, lockdown. But, in the summer with wildfires, um, it's been absolutely devastating to see how that has um, um, not been the case. And um, so, you know, along with all of what's happened with the pandemic, the um, weather patterns um, are changing, but um, we see um, in terms of these connections, um, being on the same time zone, I've had a lot more work 
with um, Los Angeles, actually, um, with colleagues at UCLA. Um, we've had various um, virtual um, sessions, uh, not only with um, Hitoshi Abe, who is chair of UCLA, but um, Mark Lee and Sharon Johnson, um, former uh, curators of the Chicago Architectural Biennial. Um, but uh, these things being, um, the, again, the normal of how we can instantly connect and um, uh, have these um, platforms to really work. One thing that in terms of work, um, I have noticed in teaching and um, also in my professional work with designers, um, it being actually in some ways very efficient, use sharing screens and um, working on drawings together um, with iPads and pencils and so forth um, in a way that uh, is certainly different from uh, the actual hand drawing and um, being in the same room, but um, uh, surprisingly has um, enabled things to continue um, much as before, even um, in a more direct way. Thank you. Jeremy, I must say that the, um, the last time we were at the American Institute of Architects um, visiting the kind of trade show that always accompanies it, there was a lot of technology which had to do with common platforms and, and ways of working, which almost prefigured what's been going on um, during the pandemic. And I suppose the, the, the question is, once people have tried this and realized that actually maybe having a design meeting with pulling in people at vast cost in terms of time and travel isn't such a great idea if the technology is caught up with the notion that we really can do things in real time and communicate with each other as, as we're doing now, even though it's not the same thing as going for dinner afterwards. Well, the logic of some of those things we saw at the AIA uh, was uh, lots of them to do with uh, virtual reality and augmented reality, was that you could do a presentation to clients entirely through headsets. So if you're doing it entirely through headsets, why do you need to be in the same space? Why can't someone be in Seattle, someone else in Johannesburg, someone in Tokyo, or wherever? I mean, and in a sense, that was a trend that was beginning to happen. I think there are two trends there. One is the use of technology, which probably much of this didn't really exist, certainly 20 years ago, maybe not even 10 years ago. And the other is a, a longer standing trend, um, which is uh, flexibility over working hours in the workplace. Now, this is at least 30 years old. I remember people talking about the demise of the office in the early 1990s. It hasn't happened, partly because uh, the office is a great force for innovation. I mean, it was the invention of the modern office in late 19th century America around very large corporations that came off the back of industrial production that gave us what J.K. Galbraith termed the affluent society. I mean, without that concentration of people, of energy, of innovation, and of uh, uh, thinking, um, we wouldn't have had you know, many of the advances that we are dependent on now in technology, in IT, in pharmacology, uh, and in all sorts of areas of economic and, and productive life. I wonder if I can turn it to you, Monica, on this one, because, you know, leading really substantial practice which operates internationally, um, 
do you see the demise of uh, of meetings as the auto automatic sort of uh, the de the default position to discuss anything is to have a meeting is that now finished no no i oh, it's not finished but as jeremy said i think we now can see that somehow it's more easy to work international than ever before because now we have all the tools we can all the digital tools and people can rely on them much better than before because before uh, the pandemic it was like you prefer the, to have the physical meetings most of the time but now we can see that those physical meetings are of course very needed in the future but we don't have to travel that much maybe we can use that time uh, more uh, better or more specific and even with clients can rely much better on this kind of digital meetings which before was almost impossible so I think having a possibility to have a choice uh, between physical meetings and digital meetings will really help us a lot and I think people are, are, are very very uh, efficient when they work now from home as well so that's another problem we can see that people work even much harder sitting by the computer they have like a few just a few breaks and people are and especially architects produces produces a lot of of, of uh, material and stuff and, re and drawings and all that so people are working very very hard so we have to have try to find a good balance between uh, working at home, not work too much, and then uh, meet in the office to have chit chat and have all these, you know, kind of meetings when things really happen between meetings and between your, your work. So how can we find that good balance? I think that's going to be a, a, a big question in the future. And Francis, I wonder when you're interviewing architects, uh, how are you doing at that at the moment? Are you doing it over screens or... Or, or are you still trying to meet the outside and distance? How's it affecting your, your working life? Well, it's definitely affected it. Um, I mean, I've probably since March done two interviews in person, which were fully masked, you know, and you hope that the mask doesn't make them sound muffled. Um, no, it's all online <laughs> using, um, using, you know, specifically there's a online audio system called clean feed i could call you paul i could interview you but you could call, you could interview jeremy it's like it's been the great democratizer we're all now using the same technologies and um and so that's been a really kind of fascinating thing i mean already that was happening digital media had had already collapsed the boundaries between those that were say the professional photographer and the rest of us you know now everybody can take photos the whole time now it's the same with audio you know everybody we were already moving into podcasting and people were already taking commands of audio recording technologies but now it's really has gone universal so it's 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 really kind of fascinating but but in terms of the actual scene you know i will sit at my desk i will maybe be talking to you via a clean feed you know through my ear my eye my earbuds my eye my iphone earbuds but then i might have a more sophisticated microphone system that i'm then recording myself on and then i might ask you to also record yourself on a, something a bit more sophisticated, like say voice memo, and then I'll piece them together and I'll wind up with a better quality piece of audio, but it's still not at that broadcast studio level. It's somewhere in between. So we're all muddling along and it's, it's quite fascinating. I mean, I feel very blessed, you know, to be actually 
have a have a job you know a lot of us have lost lost jobs during this time and i have to be very aware of that but but i but i feel very lucky to be um to be sort of still surviving through this and and um and it's sort of just kind of figure figuring it out i've learned an enormous amount about online technologies actually that i that i never knew no it's 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 really been fascinating i do think i do think the human capacity to adapt, you know, is obviously tested by situations like this. And if I may be so bold as to introduce a new topic, just very quickly, um, one of the things that <laughs> one of the things that's been so fascinating in Los Angeles, and it has happened in other cities, but, you know, it, where each city has some norms, and then they have those norms have been upturned. Well, one of LA's non-norms, a norm we didn't have, which seems utterly bizarre given the weather in LA, is that many restaurants in LA did not have outside dining. You dined inside, you drove to the restaurant, you dined inside with perfect weather outside. And it's obviously rather bizarre. Well, and there's a whole bunch of reasons for that, having a lot having to do with parking, the need for parking and, and some other things. So anyway, but what this out, indoor outdoor, what this outdoor um, eating has demanded the fact we now have to be outside. All of a sudden, LA has a street life in a way that it didn't have in terms of these restaurants pushing their dining outside. LA's parking overnight, parking that people fought for years to have taken away on the argument that we shouldn't give over so much space to parking. Instead, these parking strips have been taken up and replaced with outdoor dining. Restaurants have that have tapped their imagination and creativity to create little outdoor dining areas instantaneously. And it's turned whole streets that were looking moribund because they were challenged by the downturn in retail and they were challenged by the collapse in restaurants overnight. And with this outdoor dining thing, all of a sudden you have this new kind of street life. So anyway, I just cite that as an example of, and it goes along with the adapting to new audio, audio technologies, just, just the ways in which we've, we've, we've adapted. And so now LA is, we're now in another shutdown because, because uh, we're just, you know, having such trouble fending off this, this illness. So anyway, now three, for three weeks, the restaurants have to close again and it's caused it's 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 really really upsetting it's upsetting for the restaurant businesses obviously and it's upsetting for for everybody who'd who'd got used to this sort of sudden new way of being an angelino so anyway i th i think these are really fascinating kind of outcomes of this moment that we're all that we're all dealing with absolutely and and here in london um, any pub with a garden or the, a pub near me is next to a school and they, they spoke to the school and they annexed a bit of land which wasn't really used for anything. So now it's a kind of outside area where people can go get, get a drink while well, at the moment they have to have something to eat uh, also. Um, I want to turn to um, a, a question from one of our viewers and I'm going to address this one to you, Ken. Um, about whether um, current conditions mean that um, the, the medical professions and medical researchers uh, will combine uh, with the design professions and perhaps university researchers 
uh, to look at ways of design, designing environments that are, are in tune, both from an architectural and a health point of view, in, in a different way. Do you see any, any sign of that sort of thing happening? It's very interesting you ask that because uh, our school is uh, positioned right around the new population health building uh, sponsored again by um, uh, Bill Gates money. Um, but uh, there is that direct interaction now that we have with these um, researchers um, about um, fighting pandemics, but also what that might mean for public space, for interactions, um, not only in the United States, but globally. Um, and uh, so, you know, whether it is in terms of hospital spaces or in terms of um, other social spaces like the restaurants and other places that we um, have been discussing, um, you know, that certainly will be of utmost importance looking forward. Uh, but, you know, I, I do want to underscore the uh, cultural differences and regional differences um, of how the pandemic has affected us. Uh, and, um, you know, on the West Coast, again, between Los Angeles and Seattle, uh, it is uh, further north, so it's darker and wetter. Um, and so uh, that certainly challenges some of the outdoor dining, um, especially in the winter months. Um, but um, uh, compared to Japan, where um, with this culture of wearing masks, actually from very far back, um, it has certainly helped um, to have somewhat of a civil um, public space and um, people uh, riding public transportation, not as much as before, but um, certainly um, more than we see in the, the States and um, a certain culture of um, riding and not speaking with um, wearing masks to um, really be considerate, but also um, thinking about um, optimizing the safety of, of um, everyone. But um, it is um, one uh, thinking about this pandemic, um, it would not, I would never imagine this conversation a year ago. Um, I was actually just um, finishing leading our program uh, in Rome at that point, um, where there's lots of outdoor dining and, you know, the kind of um, paradigm that uh, Los Angeles, I think, and many other cities um, have been looking to, but um, obviously Italy has been hard hit as well, but um, uh, how these types of um, technologies have allowed us to have this conversation, um, but here at least between the United States and um, uh, Europe at this at time of day, I mean, it's morning here, afternoon or late afternoon, and um in europe but very difficult to also incorporate um asia so uh if we had guests from asia you know it would be the middle of the night and you know that kind of triangulation um does become extremely difficult and so um you know how we see this um uh i mean I, i've kind of veered away from the question of um 
medicine, but um, when we think of overall health and um, how we um, live, uh, you know, there are certain biorhythms in certain places and um, how we do really connect with that both locally and globally, I think, will become um, of utmost importance to think about moving forward. Thank you. And Jeremy, we've had, um, we've had several examples of people talking about um, the power of um, controlled immersive light uh, to affect health outcomes. Uh, we've had presentations on the importance of natural light to circadian uh, rhythms. And that whole question of the relationship between um, health and design which was a very uh, routine matter at one stage. I mean, Ralph Johnson reminding us about the history of modernist architecture in relation to TB seems slightly yeah. to have drifted away. I'll bring Monica back on this in a moment, but would you like to say something about that relationship? Well, it was very strong in modernism. I think Le Corbusier thought it was unhealthy um, to get dressed or undressed in your bedroom, which is a slightly ridiculous thing to say. Insist on a dressing room, he writes in Version Architecture, um, which takes us away from the existence minimum ethos of, of, of modernism. So there was, uh, that's a facetious example, but there are numerous examples of the relationship between um, health and, uh, and, and design, urban design, civic design, and the design of individual buildings. Um, but I think there's a problem here, which is that so much of how we've been dealing with the pandemic, whether it's at governmental level or at um, professional level, is about tactical manipulation. If we're really going to take advantage of the opportunities that have been made apparent by this horrible experience, we're going to have to think much more strategically. And that means going beneath the idea of can architects and health professionals work together or you know, whatever it's sort of relationship we're trying to build, what is it we are trying to do and who is best skilled to do that? And I think that that's really what I would like to see academics and professionals um, working on because there are some things politicians can solve, but as we've seen with this, not that many. Thank you very much. And Monica, do you have any reflections on um, kind of trends or trends you'd like to see in relation to sort of what we might think of a kind of strategic healthcare design? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I think, Jeremy, you're so right. And, and, and especially when you think back about the, for instance, the exhibition of 1930 in Stockholm, the Stockholm exhibition, which was an exhibition around modernism and about light very much, which was a really response to the 19th century and the density of the city and also the Spanish flu and all that. And maybe there's a, an issue regarding the new densification that we can see in much in, in, in cities right now when the, the, the price of, of the land has really raised, uh, you know, very high. Uh, so, uh, and I believe very much, and that's the way we work at White, for instance, we can really calculate daylight much better than we could do before with different system with BIM and so and so. But I can also see that when we calculate about natural light and the uses of natural light, how that affects both our architecture, but also the well-being in residentials, but also when it comes to healthcare. So I think this issue regarding light is going to be even more important in the future. And I think we, when we think about future schools, 
working places and also about the climate really natural light is really a necessity necessity for for the future and i think this is very my uh, it's up on the agenda for the decision makers but we also have to kind of redesign some of our neighborhoods to really uh, see that the uh, playgrounds for instance for, for for children would be with with good daylight and also of course the uh, future um, apartments so daylight yes it's very important and we need to deal with that a lot thank you very much um just one final subject which i think we should come to the question of of social equity and i'd like to start with you francis and i suppose the question is whether the pandemic um has in a sense increased uh, social inequity because of the disproportionate um, percentages of different sorts of people who are affected by it, or whether there's a sort of um, silver lining in this cloud, which is that by drawing attention to it, it might suggest that action will be taken to at least partly redress it. Hmm. Gosh, yes, it's a big issue. Um, uh, yes, obviously those inequities have been exposed and intensified. Um, and, and of course, the pandemic intersected in this country with the murder of George Floyd, which produced protests, which have been massive, have had a massive impact on the national conversation in this country and have themselves shone a spotlight on inequity. So you put the two together and most definitely uh, sort of structural racism, structural injustice, inequity has, is, is, is absolutely on the front burner. Now, as to how one deals with it, that's a whole nother conversation. On the one hand, uh, certainly I think my colleagues, my esteemed colleagues on this panel would, would, would say the com these conversations are happening in their workplaces too, you know, at the level of how does one, um, you know, make sure to address certainly the racial inequity in the workplace, say. So those conversations are definitely going on. And then in terms of, um, of you know, do you or do you not lose your home in Los Angeles because you've lost your job? And it may be that job as a busboy in a local restaurant, which has been shut down by the pandemic. Um, you know, what happens to that to that person's home. There was already struggles in LA around housing, massive struggles. This is LA's big fight right now, is the, is the um, tension surrounding the efforts to build more housing at um, the so-called affordable, at, which is more like subsidized housing, and then the so-called middle, the missing middle housing. This is, a, this is a huge struggle in LA, it already was that was it was going alongside fights over rent control and um, trying to trying to sort of help keep people in in their homes and so all of that was underway and it has been absolutely intensified there is a there's 88 cities in in the county of los angeles there's different rules depending on where you live and so some cities are, have got greater protections say around renters and evictions than other cities we already had a ma massive, massive homeless issue. And um, that, as I understand it, those numbers are only going up. So um, I don't have the answers, but I can absolutely agree that it is an issue and it is front of mind. And to Jeremy's point about now going from the tactical to the strategic, 
yeah, will we go to some more strategic long-term thinking about and planning about this? I'm not sure that we will. I, ho I hope so. I hope so. But, um, but... Will the new will the yeah. new president make a difference? Oh uh, gosh, well, um, I mean, I, I, yeah, yeah, I mean, yes, he'll make a difference in a whole bunch, in a whole bunch of ways, and and I don't want to hog the time because I see we've got eight eight minutes left that other people should chime in on this same topic. Topic. He definitely is bringing in a cabinet. He's definitely coming in with with the goals of addressing. Oh, it's two. Anyway, yes, I think he will make a difference. Thank you, uh, Ken. Briefly, if you would. Points that have been outlined are um, forefront of the next four years. Um, but I just want to say, um, in terms of education, there are so many new possibilities in online teaching, these ways that we connect, that we, ways that we connect um, live and um, uh, that can be part of this whole educational process. And so um, uh, we will, I think, have the benefit of um, all of these um, tools that we're exploring and grappling with right now, but um, that can um, be helping with the social inequities of um, um, making all of this accessible to um, a much broader population. Thank you. And Monica? Yes, I think even in Sweden we can see more homeless people than ever before and the gap between rich and poor is, given, is getting wider and uh, there is a, a big discussion regarding affordability and affordable housing. And I believe that we have to work with that, but also with public spaces, public realm, and also working places that are efficient and very close to the neighborhoods, which means that people can have a good possibility maybe to work and find new jobs. So, of course, that's a big, big, big uh, question right now. Well, thank you very much um, for responding very frankly and concisely to all those questions. Um, I noticed we've used up nearly an hour of time. Um, it's the miracle of technology to be able to do this internationally. Um, thank you very much for your contribution. Thank you all. Thank it's great. You. It's really fun to see Fantastic. you both. Yes, yeah. it is. Very good to see you. Yes. All. Really Monica and Claire.